Come on. How incredible is God? God's still moving. He's still saving. He's still healing. He's still transforming. And none of what you just witnessed on that video at all of our campuses would be possible if it wasn't for the sacrificial generosity of not just the Anderson County campus, but all of our campuses. See, when we did Heart for the Harvest a year ago, it was not our plan to expand Anderson County campus. We had some other thoughts, but because you gave generously, when the door opened, we had the money, we didn't have to go borrow, we didn't have to look. See, it's too late to try to look when opportunity knocks, you gotta be prepared. And because of your generous giving last year, we were ready and we were able to open that to a thousand people just about six weeks ago. And but come on, that's right, give the Lord praise. Come on, way to go, Anderson. When you really stop and consider all that God has done for you and all that he's doing at Faith Promise, our God's incredible. His great love for us, it's overwhelming. It is exceedingly, it is magnificent and abundant. So welcome to all of our campuses this weekend. We love you guys, God Behind Bars. Welcome you guys, I know Pastor Zach was at Morgan County last weekend, the end of this month, I'll be with our, I mean, is it Bledsoe? I'll be at Morgan, can't wait to see you men, but welcome to all of our campuses and our Heart for the Harvest season. And in this season, we've been looking back at King David as King David was in a preparation, almost a Heart for the Harvest season of getting ready for what the nation of Israel would do after he was dead, this audacious, incredible plan to build this magnificent edifice that would bring fame to the name of God all over the known world. And literally, the next generation it was built, and people came from all over to see and hear about this great God. Last weekend, we took a little break, and we did no tricks, all treats. Didn't Zach do a great job last weekend? And uh, I got this email, Pastor Zach, I would like to take just a moment to tell you how Epi Kids has touched my grandson's life. Our grandson has been coming with us to Faith Promise since he was born, and I've always wondered how much toddlers absorb as they grow. As we were leaving last Sunday, a promiser who was serving, handing out candy uh, and pocket Bibles, she asked Emmett if he'd like some candy in a Bible. He said, no, just the Bible. We're talking about a toddler here. Who cares about a Bible? Give me the chocolate. Come on, y'all know. It made us all smile at lunch as we got our food. Emmett asked for us to pray. Then as we were leaving the restaurant, he asked if he, they asked him if he wanted any candy. When he got to church, he said, no, just the Bible, and then started to read it. Now, obviously, he can't read. He's a toddler. But when he opened it, he said, God loves me, and went on and on and even added how God loves pumpkins, too. <laughs> Thank you all. Uh, all, the, all the people at FP for FP Kids and Faith Promise, I know now that they, I, I know now all that they do. P.S. He took his Bible to preschool today. Come on. So last weekend, over 2,400 in our kids' ministry and preschool. That's a, that's a mega church. That's ridiculous. But that we do it for next generation. Are y'all with me? Because, man, we're going to tell the great deeds of God to the next generation. So two weeks ago, I began in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, not a book that you turn to often, 
and begin to look at and remind us and challenge us that if we're going to extend and expand the kingdom, it requires a foundation of faith and a preparation. Now, would y'all agree with that? Would y'all agree with that? Come on, every campus. All right. Now, Faith Promise, Faith Promise has an incredible foundation of faith in our founders. And there were so many Davids who many of them are in heaven, but who gave and served sacrificially for another generation. And they laid a foundation of faith. And now we've got another generation of Solomons that are coming up who believe in God, who love Jesus, who believe the gospel, who are going to take the move of God into the next generation. Are y'all with me? They're all in for the kingdom. So as we think about what's going to happen and what it takes to join God in extending his heart and extending his hand and experiencing this kingdom moving forward, we got to realize so that's why we're looking back at David and see David's season of preparation, his heart for the harvest. See, it's a heart is what we love. A harvest is not what we have, but it's what's coming. Heart for the harvest, and our, we have a heart for souls that are coming. So we, as we look at what David was willing to do, I want to ask you the question this weekend or a couple, number one, what are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go to see this next great move of God? Father, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And Lord God, we come and I ask for a revelation to every promiser and every attender of what you'd have us do next weekend in this great offering. I pray, God, that, you would, that you'd multiply the miracles that we just prayed for, a provision, and not just those that stood. I pray this week, miracle mailbox money. I pray money will come in and we'll be able to bring the greatest single offering that we have ever been to prepare for what we know, God, that you are going to do. As you open doors, we'll be ready. So, God, open our hearts, open our minds, and help us sacrifice to see the next great move of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. All God's people said? Amen. All right, let's look at what David says to the next generation in verse 11 and 12. Now, my son, the Lord be with you that you may be successful and build the house of the Lord your God just as he has spoken concerning you. Only the Lord give you discretion and understanding, and that's what we need right now, and give you charge over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. So I want you to a couple things this weekend. Number one, if we're going to extend and expand God's heart and God's hand, it requires us trusting God. Would you all agree with that? Would you agree with that? And see, trusting, or another word you could, you could put in there, is just simply obedience. Because we have to trust God to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. So do we trust God's plan? Do we trust God's way? Do we trust that God is going to come through? So, so what are we going to do in preparation for next week? It goes on in verse 13. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the ordinances which the Lord commanded Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Faith promise did not get where it has gotten by being fearful or being dismayed. But with courageous and bold sacrifice and faith in God, we have moved forward. Because moving the kingdom forward in faith promise, it's not the gifting or generosity to the few. 
It's all of us. It's all of us. So let me ask you just a question. Are, what are, are we afraid to give more? Are we afraid to serve more? To love more? Why is it that we would be fearful as people of faith, as promisers who by faith believe in the promise of God? So think about this. If you're listening, say I am. What is it about our experience with God that causes us to trust God so little? Now, I'm going to give you a thought. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to give you anyway. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Could it be that we, we, we trust God so little because we trusted him with so little? Let me, let me say that again. Could it be that we trust God so little because we trusted him with so little? And that's why our financial and our generosity and obedience to God, it builds our faith. But if you've never taken the generosity journey, there's a giant piece of your faith that can never be built. So if we're going to grow to trust God, to obey God, we've got to be able to trust God with more than we trusted God in the past. To give God more of ourselves. To trust God with literally more of our pain and our problems. To trust God with more of everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that we have been, and everything that we will be. Does this make sense? Come on. I love watching what Kanye West is doing. One of the things I love most is I don't care what show he's on. I don't care what, what Hollywood celebrity he's talking to. He goes back and says it's all about King Jesus. Are you with me? King Jesus. It's about King Jesus. I love that. I love it. And it's crazy. Do you know the people bashing Conway? Bashing Conway? It's not the lost people. It's not Jimmy Kimmel. It's not Hollywood. It's Christians who've lost their minds who get on social media and say things about other Christians after Jesus said, don't take it public. Are you with me? You can't talk about anybody if you haven't talked to those people about what you think they're doing wrong. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. And so let me encourage you to trust God. Start trusting God with a little more, a little more of you, a little more in the offering next weekend, a little more serving, a little more of your heart and see what God does when you step out by faith and you trust him, are you, are, are you with me? See, not only are some of us afraid to trust God, but some of us are afraid to give God any, to, to experience any pain or discomfort in our lives. So we aren't going to put ourselves in a situation of bringing an offering that might give us a little pain. Come on. Come on. John Maxwell and I were talking a few weeks ago and he said, Chris, you never know how committed people are until you ask them for commitment. Come on, everybody. You never know until you say, hey, will you be committed? Heart for the harvest. There's no time I believe that we show a commitment to the kingdom more than when we bring God a sacrificial offering. No. Now, here's the deal. Jesus didn't hold anything back, did he? All the way to his life and his blood and his breath. Your salvation, your abundant life cost Jesus everything. Are you okay? You're not okay, are you? It's going to get worse. And, and I got to tell you, listen, let's look up here. I love you, could not care less. Because my job is not to make you happy, to make you holy. My job when the servant's over, if all of your man and God's happy, I'm good. Send all the ugly emails to joshwhitehead at faithpromise.org. Are you, are you with me? Come on. 
<laughs> Are we having fun yet? Come on, it's great to be in the house of God. Come on. So, by the way, when you get home, get on social media, tell all your friends you can't miss this weekend. Just can't miss this weekend. Verse 14. Now, watch this right here. David is about to tell you what he gave me this offering. Look what David says. Behold, with great pains, I have prepared for the house of the Lord. David the king, great pains I have prepared. 100,000 talents of gold, a million talents of silver, bronze and iron beyond weight, for they are in great quantity, timber and stone I have prepared, and you may add to them. Hey, listen, I might not have enough, and you go ahead and give the rest, Solomon. See, if we're going to extend and expand the kingdom, the hand and the heart of God, it takes purposeful pain. See, we want to move forward without any cost, and it simply doesn't happen. I talked to a friend of mine, I was talking to a pastor, and he said, Chris, I want to make this move, but this move will require faith. I said, if God, if, listen, if the move doesn't require any faith, then God didn't ask you to do the move. And so it takes purpose, purposeful pain. Now, if you're brand new to faith promise or you're spiritually speaking, this truth may ring a little odd in your ear. Wait a minute, I, that's not why I came to church. Well, let's, let me just go ahead and set you, we're not gonna break any snakes out. We're not gonna ask you to hurt anybody or yourself. That's not, the, that's not the discomfort that David is talking about when he said, with great pains, I prepared. He's talking about another kind of pain, like the 21 days of fasting. If there's no pain, you're not fasting. Are you with me? That's why I encourage everyone to fast some meals, not just chocolate or social media. That doesn't hurt you bad. Do without lunch, that'll hurt you. And then we've got 21 days of devotion to go with every day. We're, we're about to start the third week in it. You can go and you can see it. That's why we, we wanna help you. Is fasting uncomfortable? Yes. Is it painful? Yes. Is it powerful? You better believe it is. Come on. So if you're looking for more, more of God, more faith, more miracles, more dependence on him, and then just I, jump in there this last week and fast with us some. Now, have you ever noticed how easy it is to give some things to God and yet how hard it is to give everything to God? How hard it is to open your hand and say, Father, Look in my hands and anything that, anything that is in my possession, you can have. And the real, the truth is my help you, it's all his anyway. Because you confessed Jesus as your Lord. Now we in America don't understand Lords, we understand our civil rights and our freedoms and our liberty and the constitution. But when you said Lord, you surrendered everything. Are you with me? That's why he said, confess me as Lord. It's all his. Now, here's the deal. I've watched now a generation and a half grow up in our house. I watch my kids grow up. I'm watching their kids grow up. And let me tell you what I've noticed in two generations, and I think this goes all the way back to the garden. There's words that kid, kids learn so early. No and mine. Are you with me? Mine. Mine, mine. One of the most difficult lessons to teach Michelle's children And our grandkids has been sharing. Parents, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on. I will watch the grandkids. Here's what they do. They come, they bring, when they come to the house, they'll bring some toys, but Michelle has like Toys R Us in the children's playroom. So they may not really bring anything because there's, you know, like a 
we could build the next building with what she spent on the toys. And so what they'll do is they'll do this. They'll, they'll, they'll go and they'll, they'll go get a toy and they'll look and they'll stick it in the corner and they'll get another one and they'll stick it in the corner and they'll go to the toy room and they'll pull one out. They'll, get, they'll, they'll pile the toys up, hoping nobody sees them. They can't play with them all. Are you with me? They just want them all. And another kid will spot them and they, it's, like, it's like Easter. <gasps> look! And from across the room we'll hear, no! Man! And I love it because that's an alarm for Mimi and the mom and dad to enter into. We share. You don't need all that. Are you with me? Now, here's the deal. Paul said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. When I became an adult, I put away childish things. And the problem is a lot of us have grown older, but we've not grown up. Because selfishness is the mark of a child, not a spirit-filled Jesus follower. You didn't like that at all, did you? That's okay. I told you. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So learning to share, that's what we do. We hoard all we have. We can all we get. We get all we can. We sit on the can and we say, mine, mine, mine. No, no, no. We Can we spend it all? Probably not. Do we have it all? Yes. We're not giving it to anybody. Mine, mine, mine. Just like a three-year-old hoarding toys in the middle of the corner so that nobody else can have anything. Are, are you with me? Is this, are, come on, are you still? Come on, don't, don't, don't check out. It's a hard lesson to learn. Come on, if you're listening, say, I am. Matter of fact, I'm about to give you, <laughs> that was just basic. I'm about, to, I'm about to go, I'm about to get up in your grill right here. And, and I'm going to help you. But sometimes the doctor, the dentist has to hurt you. They have to hurt you before they help you. I love it when the doctor said, this is being uncomfortable. That's code for, oh crap. I'm about to cut you. So, so here's the deal. Are you ready? It's the question. Is God calling you to reorganize your life so that you can be faithful to God? I'll tell you what I mean. We talk a lot about financial faithfulness here. We talk a lot about financial freedom here. And it is so hard to be generous or give even basic 10% or to bring an offering. And then it's even more difficult to bring a special offering when we got our fist balled up. Are you with me? See, this is what a child does. And this is what an adult does that loves Jesus. One of our core values, our first values, we put God first. Now, we don't put God first. He is first, but we put God first in our lives. But do we really? Now, what I'm about to tell you was easier. It wasn't easy. By any stretch of the imagination, but easier for Michelle and I. Michelle and I are married. I'm done with seminary. We are prepared now for ooh, three, five, seven or eight years. And I'm at my first church, a plan in Louisiana. We're making $16,000. We have three children that want to eat. And we are poor as church mice. Now, we already committed, uh, we already committed before even we were married, we were going to be tithers. And we began to talk there in Jennings and said, we don't have anything, let's just double tithe. And so in the worst phase of our life financially, we gave 20%. Now, we began that back in the, back in the early 90s, and we have never fallen below that. So what happened? Now, can I, listen. We talk about the miracles, but we miss the pain of the process. Are you with me? The discomfort, the, again, King David said, I took pains in preparation. 
So as we begin to make more money, we still didn't have any money, but we were giving 20%. That means we were living off 80, but we didn't have savings. We were not wise stewards. Are you with me? Every time we got a raise, we bumped our cost of living up instead of being better financial money managers. Because we thought back then, well, if we give God 20%, God has to bless my ineptness. So for years, listen, listen, years, Michelle and I gave 20% and lived paycheck to paycheck. A blown out tire sent us back to the Stone Age. It just sent us back. A blown engine, something like that, was horrendous. Why? Because we had no money. So when we talk about generous, we talk about you getting your financial house in order. We talking about you really if you giving 10%, saving 10%, investing 10%, living off 70%. Come on now. Now we're getting we're getting really with it. So the problem, the, the reason this is so difficult for some of y'all is this. See, when we didn't have a we didn't have a we had two ratty cars in a rental and we were renting our home. We were renting where me and the her and the kids were living in Louisiana. We didn't have anything. So as we begin to have stuff, we were already given 20%. Well, God refused to let us outgive him. Now, let me tell you, there's some ugly years, in, years in there of struggling and having no money and Michelle literally cleaning houses on the side and me building houses on the side just to feed the three kids and put food on the table. So some of you have come to Christ as an adult. Or you come to the revelation as an adult that you need to be financially faithful. Come on, are, are you with me? But you're already living on 100% of your income. You're not saving anything. And you're not giving anything. But you say, I can't. So when I say you really need to give 10%, or you don't need to be lavish, you need to give over 10%, you look and say, is he crazy? Does he not know? So see, you put yourself in that position, Right? I'm about to help you. It's going to get a little worse before, a little worse. Are you ready? For many of you, you got to reevaluate your life and your priorities. That means this. Some of you need to sell your home and buy a smaller house. Some of you need to quit buying new cars. Some of you need to get rid of cable. Some of you need to brew your own cup of coffee and not go to Starbucks and pay $5 every morning. Some of you need to quit going out to eat, quit taking four vacations. How about doing a staycation? Quit spending money that you don't have. Get your financial house in order so that you can be faithful to God. Are you with me? All right, come on now. So, we got you. Now, come on. For, listen, I can hear some of the campuses. It's a golf clap. Here they have to clap. Come on now. And so what ended up happening is Michelle and I ended up today, after 35 years of marriage, in a place we never could dream that we could be financially in our home, where we go, what we get to do. This church is very generous to us, but we never dreamed. But let me tell you, it took years of laying the foundation of being financially faithful to God until God realized, until God saw, not realized, until God had tested us and realized he could trust us. So why would God give you more than you already have if he can't trust you with what you have? So it's time to answer the call. It's time to be obedient. David, as you go through there, man, great amenities, great, you know, all the trees, all the iron, all this, beyond never, magnificent, beyond limit. He's just going down through there. As a matter of fact, listen, you know what he ends up with? Six million pounds of gold. 
and 60 million pounds of silver and more iron and bronze than could be measured. We're talking today's numbers, hundreds of billions of dollars. The largest numeric offering in all the Bible is right there in 1 Chronicles chapter 22. It was sacrificed because David would never see any of it what it would do. The wealth of an entire nation levied to advance the kingdom of God. So if we're going to extend and we're going to expand, we've got to, it, it takes everything that we have. So let me re-ask you the question, ask you a few minutes ago. Are you ready? What are you willing to do to see the next move of God at Faith Promise Church? Our theme is Luke 4, 18 and 19. Preach the gospel. Proclaim release to the captives. Open the eyes of the blind. Set free those that are oppressed and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. If we really believe that's what God wants us to do, then we got to be prepared when God opens the door. So we don't know exactly what campuses we'll plant next year. And so it's hard for me to cast vision and tell you we're going to do this. I know we're looking at Oak Ridge. I know we're looking at Bearden. I know we're looking at South Knoxville. I know we're looking at Chattanooga. I know we're looking at Nashville. I know we're looking at Johnson City. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? I know. This is where we got our feelers out. And so then, but we got to be ready when God does. So this building campaign, it's not about building a building. It's about making God's fame, his name famous. It's about setting the captives free. It's about delivering those that are oppressed. It's about opening eyes to the blind. It's about seeing lost people saved. It's about seeing people that are dead in trespasses and sin. Right now, people that are lost on their way to hell. It's about setting up a plank so that we can win them to Jesus. The people that we prayed for two weeks ago, the provision we prayed for, are the healings we'll pray for next weekend. Are you with me? That's what we're looking for God to do. So, man, God gives... David gives this spreadsheet and then he keeps going, telling Solomon, obey the Lord, walk in the statutes, walk in the ordinances, do all this, and God will be with you. Faith promise, is God with us? Yes. Is God with you, promiser? And we've got to devote everything. Everything, I'm not saying give everything, we devote everything to God that we are to be used for God. So if we're going to extend, extend and expand God's kingdom, it requires lavish kingdom builders. Now, this is the greatest numeric offering in the Bible. Some of you here this weekend, and I'm talking about God with you, and you don't ever sense God's with you. Maybe you've not been, yet been born again. This is the greatest numerical offering. It wasn't the greatest offering in the Bible. The greatest offering in the Bible was God giving his son to pay for your sin, that you could have an abundant life and live forever. And that's the greatest offering. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped out of heaven to pay your price. You had a debt you couldn't pay. I mean, it, there was no way. And he paid a debt he didn't know. And he rose from the grave. Why? John 14, 16, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He gave everything for you. And God wants so much more for you than God wants from you. It's ridiculous. And so, man, it's, it's, if you're ready at all of our campuses, hey, campus pastors, there's some people at your campus ready to be, give their hearts to Jesus. If you'll come up right now and lead them to Jesus. Next weekend, we'll be praying for healings. It'll be incredible. We'll be bringing offerings. I love you guys. Be blessed. Now, as we have God Behind Bar still with us and our online campus with us and Pellissippi with us, if you're ready to open your heart up, God's ready. Heaven's open for business. So we're gonna pray a simple prayer together, yet so profound. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna relinquish all your rights to him 
and he's gonna save you. So pray this prayer with us. We're gonna pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I received your gift of salvation. And I give you my greatest offering. I give you me. Save me, transform me, help me honor you.